Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I write for VikingsTerritory.com along with my writing partner, Wes Johnson. He writes for that VikingsTerritory.com. And we also got Jason Bowen out in South Dakota, who's a Broncos lifelong fan. And we're going to talk about the NFL tonight. And we have this topic that was served to us on a platter because the NFL will not stop dribbling out bits of news. And when I say bits of news, I mean gigantic pieces of news. Everything that has been an alert to your cell phone in the past 72 hours has been earth-shattering news that in a single week would be a talking point that would last a half hour on a show like this. But now we got to cover about eight of them. So we'll do our damnedest and we'll do that shortly. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use this promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive your bonus. As an example, the Kansas City Chiefs are at a low point in this mini bidding, budding dynasty. Um, they are plus 1,400 in the money line to win a Super Bowl. So if you think they're just in a rut and they're going to win the championship, go bet on them now because they probably won't get you lower than this. Otherwise, from basketball, football, and the baseball postseason, which just finished, perhaps futures, uh, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Gentlemen, outside of like a free agency period where it's designated there's going to be breaking news, I can't think of a... Uh, weirder time in the NFL. And I've been watching the sports since 1990 where there's like seven to 10 things that are like, Holy crap. And whether they're injuries or the Rogers or they're tragic, like rugs, we have so much stuff to cover. And I was just telling Wes off air that one of these things would have been something that we'd led with in a regular show, but now we have to scramble to get through like 10 of them. So welcome to the show, gentlemen. Uh, we'll kind of just go in random order since there's so much stuff. The first one I'll jump into Wes is Odell Beckham. And this, this thing was played strange because first of all, he hasn't done much this year. Fantasy managers can tell you all about it when he is good. He's absolutely phenomenal, but we haven't seen that since like the middle of last year when he had like a sweet ass kick return or something, I think against the Cowboys, I think it was on uh, local television here in South Dakota. But anyhow, it seems like he's on the pathway to be released by the Browns. Not going to play with Baker Mayfield anymore. He's got his dad doing his video editing for him. It's all kinds of weird stuff. So tell me about Odell Wes and tell me where you think he ends up. Yeah. Um, the saints made a push for him before uh, the trade deadline from what I, um, gathered um it's been reported that both the saints and the raiders will remain interested if he gets released um the saints make an awful lot of sense for him uh with the michael thomas news which we'll get to here i'm sure um and him being a uh lsu alum it just that makes a lot of sense if he is bought out to uh head back to louisiana and um 
you know, plan a one-year deal, hope to, you know, show out a little bit and hit free agency. Do you think that a team on the waiver wire will get him and eat the contract because they don't want to lose out with him, or will he be a true blue free agent? I think he'll be a true blue free agent. Okay. I don't know what his contract numbers are, but I would assume 15 or so mil. Yeah, something per like year. And I don't know how it works with all the guaranteed. I don't know if that's already elapsed. I should have done my homework on that. But I know that if on the waiver wire, let's say the Chargers sneak up and grab him, whoever grabs him is on the hook for his contract. Not just this right. year. They're on his whole contract. But if he gets through the waiver wire, then you know he can be paid whatever the team thinks is fair for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't foresee that happening just based on him not being able to finish the last two years. Um, he he has had an injury-plagued career. Um, that's a pretty hefty chunk to take on. I mean, the, you know, the Jets probably could afford it. I think there was only maybe three teams that would have yeah, that type term. of cap space to to do so. Yeah, I think he makes eight million this year, or the rest of this year, whatever it is. So there's about seven, eight teams that could do it for this year. And the good ones were like the Chargers, Steelers, if you consider them good, and uh the Browns and the Bengals. Uh so yeah, the Chargers would make sense, I think, but I don't know if they I don't know if any of these teams are gonna eat the whole contract. So Jason Peak Odell was about seven years ago out of the gate. He was an absolute madman in a good way. And since then, it's been more than pedestrian, but it's been plagued by injury. And when he got traded to the Browns, it felt like, wow, this team's really coming up and he'll fit there. And he didn't. So what do you think comes of Odell from here on out? You know, that's, that's such a good question. I, I was kind of having this conversation earlier and you're right. It, it's been a while since people have really been afraid of Odell Beckham Jr. And there for a while, um, you know, that's all you heard about. This guy has the, the potential to be, you know, certainly a top three receiver in this league. And um, th- those plays, his, you know, when he is on fire are very, very electric. But, God, it's been so long. I mean, we played the Browns, you know, and it's the first time I'd get a, I got to see that Browns team. I mean, yeah, they were hobbled and Case Keenum was their quarterback. And but I wasn't I wasn't too terribly afraid of Odell Beckham Jr. And and yeah, you're right. When he first went to the Browns, this is going to be a perfect fit. These guys are going to. And then that first game, that first year when they all, you know, with Landry showed up there yep. and then they started to really, you know, make those moves and, and it was going to look good. And they got off to that. That first drive of that of that year was beautiful. Odell <laughs> contributed to that drive, but then they they were just a big disappointment for so long. And I don't know what happened there. Um, I'm still not 100 percent sure that I know exactly what's going on in the Odell Beckham situation right now, other than the fact that uh, his dad is, is, is <laughs> tweeting highlight reels of, of all the missed opportunities. <laughs> is that what caused this? Uh, I think that I think they do weird <laughs> stuff sometimes where I don't know if they reach out to their brother or dad and say, hey, take care of me here because I don't want to. It's just passive, <laughs> passive, aggressive social media. Is this, is this the reason that he's he's not going to be on the Browns anymore, though? Well, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was calculated. <laughs> he basically said that Baker isn't good enough to play with him. and They don't jive well together. And therefore, 
I mean, it puts Brown's management in a spot that's like, okay, what do we do with this? We could ignore it, but they're flat out. They don't play well when he's there, which is very weird. Yeah, they really don't. And, and, uh, and it's interesting because you know, with all the news, with all the breaking stuff that you've alluded to earlier, uh, I never, I just assumed when I saw it and I didn't look at it really. And I did see that, um, that his, uh, his dad was tweeting that stuff, but, uh, but I just assumed he was out for the season with an injury. I, I honestly, that's what I thought. <laughs> and uh, up until like recently, I, I still thought that. So, but this is, this is fan. This is fantastic. Really? Um, is he going to, so can he get picked up by any team? Cause the trade deadlines obviously passed. Yeah. He'll be released or that's the report as of like an hour ago that he's going to be released because the Browns have told him to stay home. And, <laughs> and then any team in the NFL on the waiver wire. So based on standings can go grab him, but then they're on the hook for the entirety of his contract or whatever is guaranteed is really the meaningful part. They just um, told him to stay home. Yeah, they did. And so <laughs> West speculates that nobody will <clears throat> want to eat any of the contract when realistically behind the scenes, they can start dealing with his agent and just getting yeah. to sign on for the rest of the year. So on him, his first three seasons in each season, he had North of 1300 receiving yards and North of 10 touchdowns. Since then it's been decent uh, in 2018 and 2019. He crossed a thousand yards with about five touchdowns per season. Um, but <clears throat> 2020 and then this year are going, going pear shaped. So the thing that's strange about him is he could latch on. I keep saying the chargers. Cause I think that place makes sense. They got a little bit of money. And uh, I think that, they're probably looking for an edge in the playoffs to, you know, do battle with some of these bills and Ravens and maybe chiefs. Um, but Odell's one of the gentlemen, he's only 28 and wherever he ends up next year, it'll be somewhere. If he has 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns, nobody is going to be surprised. It's just for some really weird reason uh, with the Stefanski offense, it hasn't worked. And I kid you not, it's really the Stefanski offense because when Odell got there in 2019, he had 1,035 yards and four touchdowns, so he had decent wide receiver numbers. Not good for him, but good for almost any other dude in the world. Uh, but it's really been bizarre. Yeah, and who was calling that offense that year? Oh, God. Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, it was, it was Kitchens. Kitchens. Yeah, and yep. he's the he's the guy that took over as the interim, right? Yeah, because he yeah. he was supposed to be the, the Mayfield whisperer during his rookie <laughs> yeah. season, so yep. they gave him the audition <laughs> and a quickly like went Browns just Browns ish and yeah. <laughs> they, they got Stefanski. Um, and so they're four and four right now. And they're going to try to do this thing with um, Landry people's Jones. And then the, the five good running backs that they have and the four <laughs> good, four decent tight ends that they have. And which will probably be enough. And with Odell out of the picture now, they might even be better that, I mean, that's yeah, probably well, going to be the key. That's the thing. There's this weird stat <clears throat> that's like, Baker Mayfield's passer rating when targeting Odell is like in the sixties and then targeting other ones is, you know, just normal for him. 90 something. I can't figure it out because Odell should make every quarterback better. I I can't imagine that they just don't get in sync. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Unless when Baker knows that he's got to go to him, he gets all nervous and forces it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we know that those dudes will openly demand the ball. And if it gets on his nerves and he tries to force it and so be it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's not forget about Michael Thomas West, because you brought that up and he's been a complete footnote afterthought for about a year, year and a half now. I didn't even remember when uh, he first became irrelevant fantasy. 
Oh yeah. It was uh, week one of last year. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Week um, one of last year became irrelevant. It's done. So, yeah. So, he suffered his ankle injury uh, week one of last year. Uh, when the Saints had the game in the bag, they were up by nine uh, with two minutes oh, and 19 yeah. seconds left in the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay. And Sean Payton, who I really, 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 really don't like as a a person as a head coach. Um, I wish, you know, nothing but negative things for him. <laughs> um, he likes to run up the score. He did it against the Vikings on Christmas day this yep. past year. Um, he did it in week one of last year and essentially cost Michael Thomas, you know, the good part of two years of his relative prime. So, um, you know, this is all on coaching in, in my uh, in my mind, anyway, uh, I was just going back while we were talking about Odell and looking at the play-by-play, and yeah, there was really no reason to to push the ball like they did um, uh, up by nine with you know just a little over two minutes yeah. in the game. So with with Thomas, he's going to have like a Clay Thompson experiment because he's gone now for the rest of the year and he will have effectively been gone from two years from football and clay thompson's probably going to be two and a half seasons from basketball and it was both of those men and probably thomas more amongst wide receivers was at the absolute peak of his powers he took a lot of shit for being a slant guy even though i always thought that was unfair because do we really think he just couldn't catch balls downfield no it was a system breeze liked throwing slants but now he'll sign somewhere who knows where next step September and see what he's got left. And he's not crazy old. He's got to be around Odell's age. I think. Yeah. And I think he's 26, man. Yeah. So yeah. And that's the thing that's so strange is that he, for fantasy purposes, for everything, like he was like a top five consideration. And that was yeah. as early as your drafts during uh, the summer of 2020. So Jason, tell me about Michael Thomas. Will we ever see him at his prolific level? Cause I mean, he was a machine. He was, he was, and I, I, when they, when they paid him, I knew that was a big mistake. <laughs> I, see, I, I don't know, I don't have the same resentments toward Peyton and the in the Saints as I, I, I think you do, Wes. With, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you guys have valid reason to hate the guy. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't. I'm indifferent when it comes to the Saints, and I always, it, I just thought, I mean, when I, when I saw Michael Thomas on highlight reels or when I saw him um, racking up those fantasy points or, you know, being talked about, I never saw like, um, yeah, I'm a big wide receiver guy. I love my wide receivers. I never categorized him in any group, really. I don't know what I thought of him um, initially, but um, yeah, I don't see an Odell. I don't see a, I mean, I don't even see a Cortland Sutton. I don't see a even Jarvis Landry. I don't. I, I see a, a guy that caught slants and that that <laughs> was a benefit a beneficiary of of Drew Brees and a good offensive coach that catered to Drew Brees' strengths. That any receiver with similar traits to Thomas could have done just the same. 
Well, he wasn't an acrobat, or at least he wasn't given the opportunity to be an acrobat with Breeze, but his hands were better or equal to every single dude that you mentioned. He was absolutely reliable, and he did exactly what the Saints needed him to. And he set the single-season record for catches, and he was guaranteed first downs. And Mm -hmm. now we just have to wait and see where he goes because he'll be back. He's young enough, and he'll be just fine. And then we'll see if a different offensive coordinator will give him a chance to – spread it out and take the top off the defense. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it. I would love to see what the guy is, is capable of when it comes to a more traditional um, receiving role, as opposed to just the slant master. But I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys think? I mean, do you think that if you put like a, I don't even know a, a receiver that would be comparable to him. Cause what is he six two or is he a taller guy? No, that sounds about right. I know. I looked it up. He was uh, 28 years old. He's 6'3". So, yeah. 6'3". So, I mean, he's got some height to him. I mean, a little bit shorter than a Sutton or somebody like that. But I'd like to see what what uh, a – I would like to see how he would do if you took, like, uh, Godwin off the Patriot or the yeah. Bucks and put him in there. Yeah. You know, or – but, like, if you put Godwin or any of those guys or some of the better receivers in, in, in football now – on that Saints team from a couple years back, like how, how good would that player have appeared? Yeah. Breeze never was a rocket launcher. And no, then no, it, no, it just got was. just got worse. I mean, he's he's basically what we perceive Michael Thomas as. Like he was a deadly machine in medium range. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what Breeze was. So it's too much of a coincidence for me to think that both those guys are only good in that. Uh, So, for instance, if Tyreek Hill with the Saints, I think would have been just fine. But he would have had to do everything based on speed, not on deep passes. And with Thomas, uh, I have full confidence if he ends up with the Rams or with any with any top seven quarterback he's going to be a machine again. I just think he got labeled like there's two things against him. He's not a burner and he's not an acrobat. And there's a lot of burners and acrobats in the NFL. And this dude is just captain reliable. His hands are unrivaled and his route running is fantastic. So well, let me ask you this then. How about this for a comparison with mm-hmm. him? Brandon Marshall from yeah. the Broncos yep. or then the the Jets. Yep. Kind yeah, of that, yes. That type of, yeah, just not going to, I mean, that's why you that's why the casual fans won't really won't know who that is <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't an absolute game breaker. But in the shadows, so to speak, he was just reliable as all hell. Yeah. I've got him as a like Stefan Diggs type where, um, you know, ultra polished route running mm-hmm. um, quick feet that can get in and out of cuts and then. Obviously, the the surefire hands to to make the catch. Um, we've seen Diggs be able to stretch the field, obviously, in a few different scenarios, and you know he's been provided that opportunity. And like you said, Dustin, maybe with a a different quarterback, Thomas will be able to show off that skill set as well. He will. There's no doubt about it. And I re- that's a very good comparison because I remember when Diggs on the Vikings, uh, it was always the yeah Diggs is you know. Not quite as good as Michael Thomas, but he's right up there because they compared the skill sets. Mm-hmm. There's nothing remarkable that Diggs does other than route running and catching the football. And those are Thomas's, you know, claims to fame. 
All right, so we'll pause with the injury news, even though there's a lot more to get to on that, and we'll go to Aaron Rodgers. We always talk about him on the show, and this time it's for a different reason. He tested positive for the coronavirus, and he was unvaccinated after he said he was immunized. Now he'll he'll miss <laughs> at least 10 days, which is definitely one game, and depending on how, how this virus goes for him, um, it could be two games, but probably just the one. So the thing that's uh, odd is that the Packers get a little bit of weird serendipity because they're seven and one. They're vying for home field advantage. They don't really have a threat inside the NFC North and they have their first round draft pick Jordan Love, who by absolute accident, they get to see what he's all about because so far they've only seen preseason glimpses and they have a transition plan tentatively in place to go to him when Rogers is finally done. So Jason, what do you expect to see from Jordan Love? Do you think it'll be, here we go again. This guy's going to be pretty good. Or do you think the chiefs will eat them alive? Well, I think he's got a great game to play. I mean, <laughs> the chiefs defense is absolutely putrid somehow. I mean, it's awful. I mean, I don't know what's happening there in Kansas city. I think the team is in need of a desperate kind of awakening of some sort. Um, you know, I don't watch their games, but I figure if, you know, any game is a good game to, to, to get thrown to the wolves, I think, this would be it, wouldn't you? Uh, you know, Chiefs defense, there's certainly nothing to be too too scared about, even though they got a couple of big name guys over there. I mean, it's it, it they've got the know. edge rushers, and that's what's perplexing. But other than that, the defense well, has had and hum- Matthew. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, oh yeah. The defense is having humongous struggle struggles. So I am struggling with trying to balance. Is this just a down year at the Chiefs? They're simply not very good. Mahomes has just got some strange, bad voodoo that's going to persist. Or is this just a little bit of a lull and they're going to roar the hell back and I can't decide. And Mm -hmm. I'm stuck there. And I I keep thinking each game, like this is going to be the game where they just blow the Giants off the map 51 to three. And then nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the same thing. And I think it's a combination of everything. I know when Mahomes first got thrusted into the league and he had that breakout year, uh, I think it was three years ago. Um, you know, he came into a good system. Um, you know, a, a younger Kelsey, uh, you know, obviously a younger Hill, which I'm not saying that either one of those guys have fell off, fall off or anything like that. Um, they're obviously still very superior talents, but you know, uh, it's, they've taken a toll. And mm-hmm. if, if those guys also start to not be perfect, if you will, um, I think it's going to throw a lot of things off. I don't think it's just Mahomes. I think it's the entire team and they've been punched in the, there's, there's a chink in the armor now. And I don't know that they can get, have the, um, one of my favorite words, intestinal fortitude <laughs> to, to bring themselves out of it. They, they look absolutely shell shocked. Yeah, they look buffoonish at times. And then the other thing that's strange is they spent a lot of money and assets reconditioning their offensive line. And there aren't too many excuses as to why that won't click because they have the names there and it's just not quite doing the trick. And then Mahomes is just not making Superman plays like he's used to. And we have a big enough sample size of Mahomes that we know that they're there and they're consistent. And that wasn't just a mirage for three straight years. So Wes on Rodgers or the Chiefs, do you think that Rodgers will get any sort of long-term penalty for this deception on the vaccine or because it's Rodgers, it'll just be like, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll blow over. It's not going to be um, pitchforks. Like it was for cousins and the plexiglass comments and whatnot. 
during the off season. Part of part of which, you know, is just mid season or uh, during the season. And um, as we saw this week, news just continued to to pollinate <laughs> as we went along throughout the day. Uh, and then on the Chiefs, uh, I actually kind of liked what I saw from their defense this past weekend against the Giants. Uh, I feel that they held a underrated Giants offense in check relatively. Uh, obviously, this is without Saquon Barkley and some other receiving pieces. But uh, what's been killing the Chiefs is the turnovers. Uh, they are currently tied for last in the league in plus yeah. minus with the Jaguars. Um, and, you know, you, you turn the ball over, your defense is going to have issues because, you know, they're going to be tired. They're going to operate on a short field and they're going to get scored on. So um, that's really where the, the problem lies. We saw it on um, Monday night. You know, Mahomes had, I think, two interceptions. Um, and then I think Kelsey had a fumble or something. That, yeah, it's just bad right now with the turnovers for them. They got to protect the ball if, you know, they want to have a realistic shot in the playoffs. Um, going into Kansas City for Jordan Love will be difficult. Uh, that crowd gets loud. They're going to be hyped up. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people were circling this game on the calendar for Mahomes Rogers and you know, <laughs> they're not going to get that. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to give it to love. Um, his legs will probably keep green Bay in the game, but uh, I think this is one that the chiefs will take. I think it is too. And I, that it disgusts me because Rogers <laughs> should, should yeah, he, they would have God, the chiefs, any chance that I can get for them to go down. But I, I did want to <laughs> two things. Is this going to blow over for Rogers? Well, of course it is. Nobody even talked about the fact that he was just immunized and, you know, and not fully vaccinated for Christ's sake until now. Yeah. Right? How does that just get glossed over? Well, well we believed him. We believed him. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't even, he just told the half truth and just and people just forgot about it. Half, right. Half truth is a very nice way to put it because. Yeah, no, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah the, the reporter said, are you vaccinated? He said, yeah. I'm immunized. And so basically like in the court of law, he'd probably skate. Uh, and it was completely premeditated. You know, you have my question. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my question too is, I mean, around these team facilities, the unvaccinated have to wear masks mm -hmm. um, in meetings, et cetera. Um, I know we've seen a few people uh, on the Vikings that in the off season, as they were entering the facility, you could tell like, okay, he's not vaxxed. He's not vaxxed, mm -hmm. et cetera. <laughs> like how did this completely get glossed over for Rogers? Rogers. Yeah. He's bigger than the team. He's bigger <laughs> yeah. than yeah. he's bigger than pretty much. He's as big as the league. So, um, yeah. and he would have got completely got away with all this scot-free. Like, I mean, and it's really didn't do anything criminal, but he did just deceive the yeah. people that yeah. care about his vaccine status. Yeah. And uh, then one last thing I'll say about the chiefs too, though, is that, you know, part of it too, like you said, we mentioned the turnovers being number one in turnovers. Uh, you got, if you look back over the last three years and some of those miraculous plays that Mahomes pulled off and the entire team were able to pull off, I mean, you, you had to think that eventually 
those kind of plays, we're going to go kaput. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like when we've talked about this on the show about those really stellar defenses like the Chicago Bears from a couple of years ago, Denver from 2015, the Ravens. You can do that one year. But to get the the turnovers and the interceptions at those crucial moments more than one year in a row is difficult to do. The Chiefs got away with those plays for three straight years, it seemed like. And now they're just resulting in, you know, the other the other way. They're go they're, the ball's bouncing the other way for a lot of those. And it's it's strange because we're so accustomed to them, even when they get down by a couple scores, few scores, it's like, oh, this will be entertaining to watch them come back. And that's <laughs> not happening. Uh, a point of order on Mahomes, just for perspective. So he right now is the, for the entirety of the season, he's playing absolutely average quarterback football by all the metrics. I, I break them down each week. Right now, he is the 17th best quarterback in the league when you average PFF, QBR, and passer rating. He's sandwiched right between Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Ryan. That's how effective his performance has been. Now, it's it's tough to look at his name on a list like that because you're, you're so used to the theatrics, but really, so far, and this is almost half the season, he's been an average NFL quarterback. And thankfully for his sake, when he's bad, he isn't just terrible he's average and uh, i think that's keeping them afloat and they're still finding ways to move the ball but yeah it is the turnovers that'll kill them and it's kind of a weird for an andy reed team so let's let's jump into von miller traded to the los angeles rams and then i want to i think we talked about this about three weeks ago i want to get your kids take jason on the broncos i know he's a fan so we'll get him on in a couple minutes if you want to prep him or whatever uh but von miller was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a second and a third rounder. And when I saw the trade, uh, my immediate reaction was, wow, that's the end of an era. But my secondary reaction is, wow, they really got a lot for an aging injured pass rusher. The second and a third for a guy that has no loyalties to Los Angeles for more than the next 10 games, Mm -hmm. I think is wonderful for the Broncos. And it it shows you that George Payton is focused on the future. Uh, I'm sure they're going to still do the thing where they remain competitive this year. Um, But I'm convinced that they made out good in this trade because uh, you you floated the theory, Jason, that they could just go sign him again. Uh, you know, it could be the <laughs> ultimate heist where when he's a free agent, just go get him right back. And then, it, you know, it's almost like draft day, the movie or something. So that, this this is a dude you have a photo with. Jason, tell me about Von Miller. Tell me about the emotions of this. Yeah. You know, I was I was shocked when I when I saw the news shocked and yet not um, to you know, as selfishly as a fan, Vaughn's, you know, my, uh, one of my all-time favorite Broncos, of course, you hate to see him go to another team, but at the same time, you know, you hate to see such a fan favorite and uh, wasting away in the current situation that they have over there in Denver. Um, He deserves better. He deserves a shot at another, another ring. So I'm grateful that they did him right. And they sent him to a contender Um, and what they got in return for him was, absolutely astounding a second and a third round pick which is like what quarterback value for in you said it perfectly an aging 32 year old injury riddled veteran Mm -hmm. pass rusher hall of famer for by by all means and what i loved the most about it is vaughn is a great dude and he and he at the end of his statement he he's like i yep 
definitely leaving it open for a comeback. I want to be in Denver. I want to retire in Denver. I want to live in Denver. Yeah. So uh, you see that floated around out there in the Mile High City. Could be uh, just satire, you know, clickbait. But, you know, <laughs> who's to say that they didn't just get two, two, a second and a third round pick to lease Vaughn Miller to the Rams for nine games just to re-sign him, to have him join the team next year with better coaching. Yeah. On the... Yeah, for the the trade, the only way that I could reconcile that being a good deal for the Rams is if this was like their last hurrah, like they knew this was like, you know, the 98 Bulls or whatever. They knew everybody was leaving and there was going to be somebody else's problem after this year. Uh, or if Vaughn was committed for at least two more seasons after this, then I yeah. could say, all right, you want to do this Aaron Donald Von Miller experiment for two point nine seasons or excuse me 2.6 seasons then yeah that's cool but it, it quite literally unless they extend him tomorrow is for a super bowl push of 10 more games plus for their sake hopefully three playoff games well they can't extend him they, the, the, the broncos know that they there was only a like god a handful of teams that that were oh, capable with the, oh with, with the money with the money mm-hmm. and so and the, Bron- and the Broncos traded him to one of the teams that couldn't do it. <laughs> so it's like that, that leads to that conspiracy theory a little bit more. Um, but the but the Rams don't have a first-round pick till 2024. They don't have a second or third next year. They'll, they just keep giving their picks away. That's what, I, that's what I have to ask Wes. I have to ask you. So if you don't get into the NFL draft very much, if you're a casual football fan that just watches on Sundays, that's – Fantastic. I think we've all been there at some point in our life, but they have to, they're, they have to be scheduled to pay the piper with this strategy at some point. Correct. Like when the bottom falls out or something. Yeah. Uh, from what GM Les Sneed said, uh, he's the GM of the Rams. He had said that I guess they're anticipating four or five compensatory picks. Um, <laughs> one of those should be high. Uh, they lost safety. John Johnson to Cleveland. Um, I'm guessing that'll be a third or fourth rounder. Uh, If Vaughn were to leave, they would also get a compensatory pick for him as well. So, I mean, there, there are ways to kind of add back value, uh, but a second and a third for a player at his age is, is pretty steep, uh, especially on a rental. And it's not a, a grand experiment in this case. This is a pattern. Every right. year since 2016, they trade their first round pick. So I don't think it's so much that the strategy is bad right now because they add all these veteran dues, Jalen Ramsey, blah, blah, blah. D- down the line, they have a very robust roster that will probably contend in January for a Super Bowl. But in the backdrop for the post McVay era or whenever they have a subtle shift, they're not going to have these guys that are in their second, third and fourth year. that are starting to hit their prime. Right. right. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think we think this far into it. Like usually you have players, not everybody is like Herbert, Justin Herbert, or Justin Jefferson, their first year. Most of these dudes take two or three or four years to get to their, their pinnacle. And then their pinnacle spans about an extra three years after that. So it's it's like a farm system in baseball, but it's all done at the professional on the field regular season level. So at some point, 
they're going to go six and nine or six and 11, and they're going to reevaluate. And I think they're going to look at the roster and be like, shit, we got to start drafting people <laughs> because they're going to have a bunch of 28 year olds and 30 year olds. And it's, 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 it's really what you did when you were a kid with either Madden football or NBA 2k, like you just trade and get all these sweet guys with 80 plus ratings and you play one season, the franchise mode, and then you go do it all over again with after <laughs> right. starting over. Yeah. They, they haven't, they haven't developed a player in years. That, yeah. <laughs> no. And it, it, it's, it, I, if there were about maybe five GMs that did this, I'd be like, Oh, then they're in the camp that does this, but he's the only guy that does like in all of sports <laughs> that does this. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could ask yourself if they do win the Super Bowl, let's say they get there, they beat the Bills or Chiefs or Ravens or whoever, is it worth it? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only guy they drafted and developed was Goff. They kicked him out for Stafford. They're like, this is enough of this development shit. Yeah. We're going to let other teams develop them and then we'll just trade for them. And not only did they kick him out for Stafford, they sent a King's ransom over for Stafford yeah. and oh, got yeah. rid of all the future picks. So. Of course they did. Oh my good! Like it's it's so. It, it, they also Wes. What was it? The beginning of the season they traded for Sony Michelle for a fourth or a third or something. Yeah, seriously, fifth, I think fifth. Was it a fifth? I think oh, I thought it was higher. Well, it, had, it had to have been a fifth. They were saving their second and third for Bond. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I thought it. Ah, oh, was it a fifth? Okay, well, I remember seeing sure. it and being, which is still steep. Yeah, because just a toucher of the ball. Yeah. For a fifth round and a sixth round pick that could convert to a fourth round pick if the Rams <laughs> receive a compensatory selection in the round. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe that's even, what I read. So, so that John Johnson one's going to. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't even have collegiate scouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, no, I, I, like I said, if there was a, if there was two philosophies of general management, one that drafts and one that trades, I would be like, okay, so and so is an anti-draft guy, but nobody else does this. No, no. Hey, hey, uh, McVeigh, you gonna get anybody over to the senior ball? Nah, not sure. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. No. All right. Well, we're on the top of the Broncos. I want to get your son, uh, Marquette. Does he have a? Give him the headset here for about five minutes. I want to talk. All to right, him. buddy. Yep, we'll get him on. Marquette, my man, this is your debut. Can you hear me? Oh, excellent, sir. All right, speak up for a second. Hello, check, check, check. There you go, there you go. All right, I got three Broncos questions for you. I want to know who will be the Broncos quarterback next year. Uh, it honestly depends. I mean, how the season goes. I mean, if Teddy pulls it off and gets us to the playoffs, then I think he'll probably be the quarterback next year. So I know your father is big on Drew Locke. Do you think that he he'll be back in some capacity, or are you unsure about him? I mean, it's a 50-50. I mean, it's how the season goes. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, there's always the chance that they yeah, yes, they yes. trade for a veteran as well. Depend, like you said, it depends on how the season goes. If, if Teddy gets them uh, further than they expected, then boom, he'd be back. But it's, it's you are correct that it's contingent on how the season goes. All right, what else do I got for you here? I had a little list because I wanted to make sure that uh, I got you some good <laughs> topics. Uh, well, this is a nice segue because we already talk, talked about how this season is going to go. Will Denver reach the playoffs, in your opinion, sir? Um, I mean, I think we have the chance to. I mean, if we do, I think it's going to be a wild card. I mean, our division's hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
then mm-hmm. in that in that case, let's say they they get the sixth or the seventh seed. Do you think that they they can be competitive against a, a Bills or a Ravens team? It's going to be hard, but I don't know. <laughs> that is more than fair. All right, so the last question. I want to want to really pick your brain, good my good man. Uh, tell me your top three favorite players in the NFL and why those dudes are your favorite. Okay, the first one, I'm probably going to go with Vaughn Miller Ooh. because he was a Blanc- Blanco for a long time, and he I think he's the only reason why we won Super Bowl 50. And um, my, it, you probably already know this, but my dad got a selfie with him, and I got an autograph with him. So, yeah. That's <laughs> Number one, yeah, and you, you are completely correct that Vaughn Miller was the proprietor of that Super Bowl. All right, who's number two, good sir? Probably Colton Sutton. He, Keep it he in got, got show hands. I mean, he got really good hands. He, I think he's the best receiver we have. You got a bunch of them out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you got Judy, who's getting healthy. And then Tim Patrick, when he's called upon, he makes big catches. So you got a, you got a good you got a good yeah. situation with, with dudes catching the ball. All right. And then the very last thing is give me – all right, did I say – I said top three, didn't I? Yeah, top three. All right, give me your third favorite NFL football player. Uh, if I had to choose, it would be Javante Williams because oh. he just doesn't go down and he's a rookie. So I think he got a lot of potential. And he's going to be the star running back once if we let go of Melvin Golden. He's getting old. so. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm guessing that you're waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right, my man. Well, we're going to bring you back on when we have these Broncos topics. So make sure that you you tell your dad that you could stay up a little extra late on Wednesdays for some of these <laughs> nights, okay? Yeah. All right, man. Uh, All right. Give yep. it back to your dad, and we'll see you next time, okay? Yep, thank you. Oh, thank you. That's Marquette <laughs> from South Dakota joining us. Jason, he did spectacular. Wonderful. Good job, buddy. wonder where he learned that from. <laughs> yeah. Just charming the group. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple more here before we hop off air, and we are going to forget things because it's been such a busy week. Wes, I want to know, and I've been dying to know this um, because I I know that you believe in some semblance of run-first football. I don't think you endorse it, but with Derrick Henry out, like their coaches say he could be back in six to ten weeks, but I think they're going to get Durantish with this and make sure they don't mess him up for next year. Can these Titans do anything in the postseason? They've already got a commanding start to get to the postseason. Can the Ryan Tannehill-led Titans get to an AFC championship without Mr. Henry? I believe so. Wow, I didn't think you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, he's a key cog to uh, what they have going on. Um, I am... One to never count out um, the youthfulness of a one Adrian Peterson. So um, I think, you know, he will be a first and second down back for them. And then they'll mix in uh, Nichols for the third down work and, and also some early down work uh, should be uh serviceable to at least keep the offense afloat um and then you know they're gonna have to open up the playbook a little bit more and and get these wide receivers involved uh before i think they used henry to open up 
the uh, field for the receivers, they're going to need the receivers to open up the field for the running backs now. But here's the thing. So first of all, I'll say if somehow the cyborg Adrian Peterson looked like a bell cow or looked like a top 15 running back, I would absolutely cheer for that team every step of the way. <laughs> it's just that I'm so accustomed to him being like just the goal line back with the lions yeah. or whatever. I'm curious to see if they do anything different or if it's just the McNichols show in terms of running backs. Um, but is there, do you believe that this version of Tannehill is enhanced from the Miami edition on his own, or was this a largely a byproduct of Henry? Because mm. I don't, I just don't know by heart if he's a, a gunslinger. Um, there's going to be games that he needs to be a gunslinger. Yeah, I, I think we saw a little of it last year. Um, obviously, come playoffs, uh, defenses keyed in on Henry and. Uh, the goal on Henry is to stop him before he gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, some teams are pretty good at that. Um, I know the Buffalo Bills game, they did a decent job, but then he got that one, you know, 70 or 80 yarder that he ripped and it was downhill from there. But yeah, that was um, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I, I think that he can do it. But he he's kind of in a Kirk Cousins ish role where um, he hasn't done it as often as probably uh, has been needed for his team when when it's needed. If that makes some sense, it does. I'll maintain for however much longer that Cousins can be a gunslinger because um, he did it frequently in Washington when they had no running backs. Uh, Tannehill, I've never seen that from him, but in terms of reputation, they're right there in the same boat. One thing that's concerning about the Titans is that per DVOA from football outsiders, they have a 20th ranked defense and somehow I don't know why they're at the uh, what top of the AFC and per overall team DVOA, they rank 20th in the NFL. And this doesn't take into account the Henry Henry injury. It doesn't forecast how good they'll be. It's just thus far. It's bizarre. Jason, huh. the Titans, can they still be taken seriously? Yeah, I, I, that's you would think so. I mean, right? I mean, they got the they got the receiving weapons. Um, but gosh, I figured they would have made a bigger move to replace Henry than what they did. I mean, you know, Adrian Peterson. I mean, really. They must uh, like McNichols. I'm just, I, God, I actually thought that they would, and I thought that Denver would strongly consider parting ways with Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they would have been in a good position to leverage um, with the Titans being desperate. I just don't think bringing in Adrian Peterson is enough to, to keep, to, to scare any defense that they're going to play. <laughs> Not anymore, um, not anymore. No, I um, mean, you still need, you, you got to still stick with your, some form of your, uh, you know, previous game plan. I would think you can't just, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that they can still do it. I think that Tannehill might be capable. I'm probably just as much on the fence as you two there, but man, this hurts. This hurts them so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, <clears throat> I don't think that they're, They'll get to the playoffs because they got a nice head start. Their defense isn't very good. 
Tannehill, I believe, will be closer to Miami Tannehill, which was okay. Everybody thinks that he sucked there, but he didn't. And I think they brought in Adrian because stylistically he runs like Henry. And I'll tell you, whoever wants to debate this, he runs when he was in his prime, he ran a hell of a lot better than Henry because he <laughs> he was he had a little bit more speed and he was a little bit more violent. That said, yeah. when when he ripped off that aforementioned 70 something yarder two weeks ago, I told my wife because she wasn't around for the Peterson era, I said he's the closest thing since prime Peterson that I have seen. Uh, because he's so big and powerful and fast. Uh, so I think that I don't know that they're bringing Peterson in to hope for like this. He's going to be 28 again. Let's see. I think it's just because he runs like him and he fits what they do in terms of running the ball, or at least he used to. And if anybody on this planet as a running back can replicate something from their prime and one last hurrah, it is Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. That's my my Vikings homerism there. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that he, he geez, but gosh, 36 is so old for a running back, right? I mean, running backs <laughs> contemplate retirement at the age of 30. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I mean. it's such a marvel that he he's still just doing this. And it was also weird, just like Fitzgerald for the Cardinals. Like, they just quietly didn't play anymore, but they didn't retire. And then the Ravens had 28 players injured, and – Nobody talked about Peterson to the Ravens. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe he's actually done because the Ravens are a contender. And nope, it just, and then as soon as the Peters or the Henry news became season ending, I saw the tweet. And because I write for the Vikings, I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to write about today is the fact that Adrian <laughs> Peterson is back in the news cycle. I know because he's a Vikings legend. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is another injury thing. And that's Jameis Winston. And this one's ultra intriguing because when this news broke, I was at Matt's Bar in Minneapolis having a Juicy Lucy with my entire family, getting ready for Sunday Night Football, which was very horrific because uh, the Vikings lost. But Jameis got hurt. The game was 7-7. Uh, we finished our delicious burgers and traveled down the stadium to tailgate with some friends, went into the stadium, and I saw that the Bucks lost after Trevor Simeon, Jason's you know, ex dude <laughs> and my ex dude and Wes's ex dude. So how in the hell did the bucks lose to them? Anybody know? They, they play the, um, the, the saints, they play the bucks tough. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned at the be- beginning of the show, week one, 2020, um, they beat the, the bucks, um, pretty handily to where um, they didn't need to keep pushing to score, but Sean Payton's an asshole and, you know, cost him a player. So um, yeah, for whatever reason, it, it happens across football, Uh, certain coaches, certain teams have the other team's number and there's no real explanation for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talent wise, you know, one should outweigh the other, but it, it doesn't happen. So one thing I was proud about uh, with the, my media brethren is nobody panicked for the bucks about it. Nobody at all. Nobody batted an eye. And I'm glad they did because the bucks will be fine. But yeah. I was astonished. I was like, so Trevor Simeon came in and all of a sudden things got great. And it's not that Simeon is horrible. He's just this like prototypical game manager. And right. I think the last time the Broncos had a big winning streak, it was with Simeon at the helm, right? Yeah, he actually quarterbacked that team to some some pretty good pretty good wins. He actually yeah. throws a decent ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So Jason, tell me, tell me the long-term kind of prognosis on Winston. Does, does this torn ACL mean that he probably won't be back with the saints or do you think it, he did enough that they'll be like, yeah, we'll give you a little, a dinker deal to prove yourself. It's that's, it's tough. Um, you know, I don't know that he did enough. I mean, they won some games. Um, I don't know how many of them were won because of him that could, you know, that could be debated. I mean, he, it's been a weird year for them. I mean, you know, he rattled off all those touchdowns in week one, even though he only threw for like 10 yards. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that he's done enough, um, but he wasn't, he hasn't been like turnover prone. I don't think, but it's like, do you want to invest in, in somebody like that? I mean, is he, is he good enough to be a franchise guy? I think this is more of an experiment than anything else. Don't you? Yeah. Um, if his agent agreed to like one of those case Keenum Broncos deals where it's 20 million per year only with the quotes around it, then <laughs> yeah. But here, here's yeah. before the injury. Well, no, up until the injury, these are, Passing yards per game from Winston, 148, 111, 128, 226, 279, 222. And that is like what six, seven, six consecutive games from about 1987 that you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's, he's having a good year. That doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> and right. they were winning because their defense is very good, quietly very good. Um, Wes and I are not in the credit of giving the Saints not in the business of getting the Saints credit for anything. Uh, so we don't ever bring them up on the show, but their defense this year is quite good. And so the ship was was moving with Winston because of what Jason said. He wasn't turning the ball over. And that's that's his fatal reputation. It's you know, deservedly so. He threw 30 picks in an era where you can't even <laughs> throw 20 without getting run out of town. So um uh we and then what a, we'll get off the air on the Saints. They'll make the postseason because they have a five and two record already, is it? Yes. And the NFC, the nipping at the heels teams are the Vikings, the 49ers, Panthers, Falcons, and Eagles. So there's nobody really there that can scare the Saints too much. So they have wild card bounce written all over them. But Mm -hmm. I, but I don't, I don't know. Simeon, the memory I have of Simeon, I think is the 2016 season. And I think they beat the Cowboys. Like a yeah. late game that was on our CBS network, and he looked first great. game of the season. Was it? Oh, he looked great, and I was What's like, it? I was like, they nailed this. This guy's going to FedEx. Be he was like the player of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's crazy? The Cowboys. What's crazy is all of these fantasy insiders are are propping up Taysom Hill to be oh, the signal caller, and I'm like, did you guys not watch the game? Or, I mean, obviously Hill is recovering from a. Uh, concussion but it's been about a month from what i read on the concussion so there's no guarantee that he'll go but uh yeah all the fantasy experts were propping up hill for um a waiver wire pickup i stupidly haven't thought about him I, i haven't thought about him one iota i i think if both are completely healthy i i still think it's simeon uh yeah. with hill sprinkled in i mean i I think Peyton wants a more traditional quarterback. Um, Simeon seems to, you know, know his role, like protect the ball, mm-hmm. move the chains if you can, and very smart and guy too. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, the Vikings QB two. Was it two years, Wes? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, when you're the QB two behind cousins, you never see the field uh, because cousins never gets hurt. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see, cause they're, they're at a pivotal spot where, yeah, I can't believe I never even considered Taysom, but I should have, I guess for fantasy, why would you even, unless you need a deep quarter, a league in a deep league, why would you even want Taysom? He's not tight in it. If anymore. you're some asshole in a 20 team league. Did you see my, did you see my boomer moment today? No. Oh yeah. Uh, so I was at work and one of the dudes in our league sits about 20 feet from me and he's, he announced that Rogers is out COVID. And of course me being like the <laughs> okay. demon that I am, I laughed and, uh, he was like, yeah, so that sucks. And then there's a Packer fan in the office. that's like, well, we'll get to see Jordan love. And then it set in, I was like, in our 20 team, that's my only quarterback. So I went to the waiver wire before my opponent could, uh, you know, handcuff me in a bad way. And I scooped up Jay Love, but I got Julian Love, who's like a linebacker for the Giants. <laughs> and so <laughs> those notifications go out to everybody in the 20 team league. So I look like this boomer. So I immediately dropped Julian Love to get Jordan Love. And that's my only recourse when you have a league that big is you have to just go with the, the backup. Absolutely. All the right, worst gentlemen. fantasy football player ever is me. <laughs> At least it's not ruining your life anymore. No, no. I had my first bad week last week. Every I'm in seven leagues, and in every week up until last, I was right side up, either four and three or better. And this week, I was one and six. And I could see it coming from a mile away. All my matchups felt slimy. Thankfully, the one that I won was my most expensive league, and that's the one Wes and I that we're in together. So I got lucky there. All right, well, that was a robust show with a lot of topics. We'll have to see if we have a whole slate of that next week, or we can carry over some of the other ones. We didn't talk about Neil Hunter. We didn't talk about Henry Ruggs. Um, but we'll see what the NFL throws at us for next week. Anything else from you, gentlemen? Um, all right, great, great show. All right, take it easy, gentlemen. All right, all right. All right. Good night, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.